Welcome to the LA Public Health Podcast for Monday, February 22nd, 2021. I'm Steve Baldwin, and today's show includes comments from LA County Board of Supervisors Chair Hilda Solis, followed by an update on COVID-19 led by Dr. Barbara Ferrer, Director of the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. To keep up with the latest updates and guidelines for slowing the spread of COVID-19, you can follow us across all social media at LA Public Health or visit our website, publichealth.lacounty.gov. And now, here's Supervisor Solis. I want to begin by giving a heartfelt thank you to our LA County residents. As you know, we've endured a devastating winter. At long last, it seems like we're coming out on the other side of it. And thanks to you for your collective efforts and commitment to stay home, wear masks, and practice social distancing to keep one another safe. As a result of all of this hard work, cases, test positivity, hospitalizations, and deaths are all dropping. However, we know that much more work remains to be done. Our numbers remain at a very high level, and our case rates have not decreased enough to leave the state's purple most restrictive tier. We must, as you know, remember that if we let down our guards, this progress can quickly be undone, especially as we receive reports of more contagious and deadlier variants in the county that we've seen cause drastic surges in other parts of the world. That's why I'm urging all of us to continue working together to keep this virus under control so we can begin transitioning to a new normal. Remember, it's still dangerous to gather with people outside your household, and our health officer order still forbids gatherings of three or more households. And with the increasing numbers of people receiving life-saving vaccines, we know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. The county has been hard at work building a vast network of vaccination sites, both large and small, to expand access to vaccines as much as possible. We now have over 400 sites in the county to administer vaccines, ranging from large megapods to our local community health clinics and pharmacies who provide much needed assistance to our underserved communities. And with federal and state partnerships, which opened up sites like Cal State Los Angeles, pharmacies are beginning also to provide vaccines and the creation of mobile vaccine units to access harder to reach communities we're only getting started. We know we, we have to do more, especially to ensure that equity remains at the forefront of our pandemic response. And although our vaccination numbers are increasing, the uptake in our hardest hit communities, in our Latinx and especially the black communities must improve. So far, only 23% of Latinx and 5.2% of black individuals eligible for the vaccine over the age of 16 have been vaccinated compared to 33% of their white counterparts. And over the age of 65, only 29% of the Latinx residents and 24% of black residents have been vaccinated compared to almost 43% of the white residents. With the latest data made available to us by neighborhood, it's clear that our most affluent communities have greater access than those who need it the most. For example, in my district alone, the cities of Cudahy, Bell, Bell Gardens, and Huntington Park, and in the Southeast have some of the lowest vaccination rates in the county, including East Los Angeles. Meanwhile, Latinx residents continue to die at much higher rates from the virus. 
Last week alone, those in the Latinx community accounted for almost half of the deaths in the county of Los Angeles. And in the first district, the death rate is almost double that for other areas of the county. It's over 227 residents per 100,000. And that compares to 179 residents per 100,000 countywide. To me, this is unacceptable. We can and we have to do better. And that's why I requested FEMA mobile vaccine clinics to be deployed to the Southeast last week, where they vaccinated 500 residents in Bell, including residents 65 and older, as well as visiting Ramona Gardens, our public housing units in Boyle Heights, where it was deployed just yesterday. It's also why tomorrow I'm introducing a board motion to ensure that equity is at the forefront of our vaccine response. Use, utilizing metrics like language and ethnicity in planning for vaccine distribution. It also must ensure that we partner with community-based organizations, independent pharmacies, and health clinics so that we can both overcome any vaccine hesitancy in our communities that have been the hardest hit and to make sure that vaccines are available at the places they use and trust for their care. This builds upon my prior efforts to ensure all communities can have access to the vaccine, including a motion to expand public transportation options for vaccine sites and my collaboration with state and federal partners to get mobile vaccine sites here in the county to reach neighborhoods that need the vaccine the most. I'll also be working directly with our Department of Public Health to ensure that cities and communities with the lowest vaccination rates receive the support and necessary resources they need to increase vaccine access directly in their neighborhoods. And given the national weather disasters last week that caused some of our vaccine deliveries to be delayed, there's some catching up that needs to be done, no doubt. However, I want to assure you that our commitment to vaccination remains unchanged and that everyone who's received a first dose will receive a second within a reasonable time frame and recommended by our health experts. Let me be clear, if you received a first dose, you're guaranteed a second dose. And though I welcome the news that our case rates have dropped enough that TK through sixth grade schools have the option to reopen, we have to be mindful of the disparate impact this pandemic has had on our most in-need students. We have to recognize that not all of our children have had parents able to work from home and provide them with assistance navigating online learning. Other students did not have access to the necessary online tools to facilitate online learning, or their families were hit hard by the pandemic and needed their help and were forced to drop out of school altogether. As we move forward, vaccinating our school staff and beginning to reopen our elementary schools, I'm committed to ensuring our schools have the necessary tools they need to succeed. Through a motion tomorrow, I'm also directing our county departments to distribute millions of N95 masks to our schools and other essential businesses and workers, including transit operators. I hope that this will provide them with some critical relief that they deserve. In addition, I'm hard at work to make sure that those essential workers who've been risking their own health to ensure the life and livelihoods of the county are cared for and properly compensated. 
And that's why at my direction, the Board of Supervisors will consider an urgency ordinance tomorrow to provide hero pay to grocery and drug retail employees in unincorporated areas of Los Angeles County. While there is a light at the end of the tunnel with the administration of the vaccine for food and agricultural workers beginning on March the 1st, the health threats grocery and drug retail workers face are as real as they were at the beginning of this pandemic. The urgency ordinance I'm putting forward tomorrow will require grocery and drug retail stores that are publicly traded or have 300 or more employees nationwide and more than 10 employees per site to provide employees with hero pay in unincorporated Los Angeles County. That means an additional $5 an hour. And it's imperative that we act with urgency to support just compensation for grocery and drug retail employees. And I'd like to highlight the urgent need for President Biden's COVID relief package, the American Rescue Plan as it is known, which includes significant funding to address so many urgent needs brought on by the pandemic in communities across this country, but more particularly here in LA County. This critical legislation will launch a national initiative to contain COVID-19, expand access to vaccines, safely reopen schools, and it includes funding to provide necessary PPE to protect our workers, bolster our emergency response, expand testing, and strengthen our public health workforce to stop the spread of COVID-19 while distributing vaccines as quickly and equitably as possible. It invests billions to help schools serve all of our students, no matter where they're learning and with an effort to return in-person learning as soon as conditions allow. And it delivers immediate financial relief to those who are bearing the brunt of the economic fallout from the pandemic, including the Latin X and black communities, as well as women. It gives working families $1,400 per person checks extends current unemployment insurance benefits and provides $400 of supplement until the end of September. It provides billions in aid for rental assistance and to help persons experiencing homelessness and expands nutrition benefits. It also expands childcare assistance and provides tax credits to low-income families for much needed financial relief to help make ends meet. Critically, it extends additional fiscal relief to hard-hit small businesses so that they can rehire and retain workers while purchasing the supplies needed to keep them safe. This legislation is absolutely necessary in my opinion, and I urge our congressional representatives and senators to pass the legislation as soon as possible. I also want to applaud Governor Gavin Newsom's latest initiative to provide aid to people struggling in our state here in California with an additional $600 check to our most neediest residents. In this type of collaborative effort, including federal, state, and county initiatives, working together with the community, that will get us through the pandemic to return to some semblance of a normal life. And when we get there, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. With vaccine supplies increasing in the coming months, we just need to continue to look out for one another and to keep each other healthy and safe. And with that, it's my pleasure to now turn it over to Dr. Barbara Ferrer, our Director of Public Health. Well, good afternoon, and thank you so much, Supervisor Solis, and to the entire Board of Supervisors. 
Over the past year, we faced extraordinarily difficult times, and I thank you for your unwavering leadership and all you've done to protect the health of LA County residents. Today, I'll be providing updates on our progress with reducing transmission of COVID-19 in LA County and how cases and deaths among staff and residents at our skilled nursing facilities have been declining over the past weeks. I'll also provide updates on our vaccination efforts and the framework we're using for vaccinating groups that will be eligible to get vaccinated starting March 1st, next Monday. Uh, first, uh, to update you on our current status, and I'll take the, the first slide. I do want to start today's update recognizing the heartbreaking loss of life from this deadly virus. Half a million people have passed away across our nation. And here in LA County, we're approaching the terrible milestone of 20,000 deaths. Let us remember and honor all those who have passed with a moment of silence. We're sad to report today 21 additional people have passed away, which brings the total number of COVID-related deaths in LA County to 19,904. Five of the people who died are over the age of 80, and four people in this age group had underlying health conditions. Six people who passed away are between the ages of 65 and 79, and three had underlying health conditions. Seven people who died are between the ages of 50 and 64, and six people had underlying health conditions. Two people who passed away are between the ages of 30 and 49, and one person had underlying health conditions. There's one person who died between the ages of 18 and 29, and this person also had underlying health conditions. We know that there are many people all across our county who are mourning the loss of someone from COVID-19. We send you our deepest condolences during this very sad time. We're reporting 943 new cases today, bringing the total number of cases in LA County to 1,181,403. These cases include 50,800 total cases reported by our partners in the city of Long Beach and 10,772 cases reported by the city of Pasadena. Today's case and death numbers likely represent an undercount due to the lag in weekend reporting. We are reporting that 2,213 people are currently hospitalized with COVID-19, and 31% of the people who are hospitalized are in the ICU. We've investigated a total of 4,874 residential congregate settings and non-residential settings with at least one confirmed case of COVID-19. Of these, there are currently 966 ongoing investigations, and we've closed 3,908 investigations. The total number of confirmed cases in institutional settings is now 93,497, including 38,720 cases among residents and 54,777 cases among staff. To date, over 5.7 million people have been tested and had test results reported in LA County. And the cumulative positivity rate is 19%. Our daily positivity rate, uh, however, has fallen to below 5%. Take the next slide. Uh, we continue to make progress in reducing the average daily number of uh, new cases of COVID-19, though our numbers uh, still remain elevated, as you can see on this slide. 
The seven-day average number of daily cases peaked on January 8th with more than 15,000 cases, and now it's dropped uh, significantly uh, to 1,600 cases a day. Since this number of average cases is by episode date, meaning the date a person was tested or began having symptoms, it doesn't necessarily match the number of cases we report each day in our press release. Uh, the daily reported cases could have happened days or in some cases more than a week before they're reported to us. And this graph is an effort to actually assign every case to the date where people either began having them symptoms or they were tested. I do wanna thank everyone for making this steep decline in cases possible. This wasn't a miracle and this significant drop in our case numbers reflects actions and choices taken by millions of residents, workers and employers. Should we continue to see less cases, we can move forward in our recovery as lower case rates allow for other sector reopenings. Last week, the decline in the daily case rate allowed schools the option of reopening for in-class instruction for students in grades TK through grade six. When the case rate drops to seven new cases per 100,000 individuals, schools would have the additional option of allowing in-class instruction for students in grades seven to 12. This is a goal we can all get behind. I'll take the next slide. This graph shows trend lines of cases, hospitalizations and deaths since March 1st of 2020. Fortunately, all three metrics continue to decline. But I do wanna note that this week is when we could see increases in cases resulting from gatherings over the Super Bowl weekend. As we know, and as this graph demonstrates, increases in cases are always followed by increases in hospitalizations and deaths in just a matter of weeks. We hope that persons uh, chose to celebrate the Super Bowl and the President's Day weekend safely with members of their own household. We don't wanna lose any ground in slowing the spread of the virus especially as we now have some children and school staff returning to our classrooms. Next slide. People who live in our skilled nursing facilities are amongst the most medically fragile, and therefore they're at great risk for serious illness and death from COVID-19. This is why they, along with their healthcare workers, were amongst the first to receive COVID-19 vaccines. As you can see in the past few weeks, the average number of cases at these facilities has plummeted. As of February 7th, the seven-day average number of daily cases associated with uh, residents in, school, in skilled nursing facilities was five. Just four weeks ago, that number was over 100. Next slide. As cases have decreased, the number of deaths among people at skilled nursing facilities has also dropped. And the current daily average number of deaths is now at seven people passing away each day. So this is still a, a relatively high number and represents a lot of heartbreak. Uh, it is important to note that these facilities did not experience the same steep surge that the county overall did in December and January. Also, we need to remember that there are lags in this data because of the time it takes to thoroughly investigate outbreaks at the skilled nursing facilities. Next slide. We've also made good progress in vaccinating residents and staff at our skilled nursing facilities. As of February 14th, 77% of the staff and 74% of the residents at skilled nursing facilities who were eligible to be vaccinated received a first dose. Of the people who received first doses, 83% of the staff and 79% of the residents have received their second dose. 
With many more staff and residents vaccinated, new cases should continue to decline, which does mean less outbreaks and fortunately less deaths. The next slide. Uh, to update you on our current overall uh, efforts to vaccinate uh, residents and workers in LA County, we've now administered 1,770,505 doses of the vaccine in the county. Of these, 513,586 were second doses. Currently, only healthcare workers, residents, and staff at long-term care facilities and people who are ages 65 and older are eligible to be vaccinated. And this accounts for about 2.2 million people here in LA County. Of all of those currently eligible for vaccine, 80% have received at least one dose on average, and 23% are fully vaccinated. We are continuing to experience a scarcity of supply and variability in the amount of vaccine we receive from week to week. To date, we've received 1,831,075 doses of vaccine. Uh, and as, as you can see, uh, that means that over 90% of the vaccines we've received within five days were in the arms of uh, people who are eligible to get vaccinated. As more vaccine comes into LA County, our priority is to ensure that eligible residents and workers in the hardest hit communities have much easier access to the vaccine. Next slide. This table shows the summary of the weekly distribution of COVID-19 vaccines by site type for this upcoming week. We continue, as you can see, to have a great deal of unused capacity. There are almost 500,000 appointment slots that are available this week, and we only had enough doses for 209,000 appointments. The large points of uh, dispensing or pods run by Public Health and LA City receive about half of the allocation. Our federally qualified health centers receive almost 18% of all available doses and pharmacies received a little over 10% of the doses. Across all sectors, there's much more capacity to vaccinate, though we simply do not have the supply of vaccine to offer more appointments. Our large, our large pods alone could be providing an additional 160,000 doses this week if there was sufficient vaccine supply. I'll take the next slide. On March 1st, three additional sectors, education and childcare, emergency services and first responders, and food and agriculture will be eligible to be vaccinated here in LA County. We're working with these sectors and other partners to finalize vaccination strategies that offer multiple sites where eligible workers can easily get vaccinated. We estimate that about 691,000 people will be eligible for vaccine in the education and childcare sector. Many school districts already have their partnerships and capacity to create their own pods to vaccinate their workforce. Independent and parochial schools can partner either with their school districts or they'll have reserved appointments at the county pods for their workforce. There will also be opportunities for childcare workers to be vaccinated at closed pods with and with reserved appointments at the county pods. We're still reviewing survey data from colleges and universities to guide final plans for this group of educators and staff. I'll take the next slide. For law enforcement, emergency services, and first responders, uh, agencies uh, and agencies, this includes the courts and correctional facilities, 
they will all be partnering with fire departments, police departments, the Department of Public Health, the Department of Health Services, and local hospitals to vaccinate their workforce. We estimate that over 140,000 people work in this sector. I'll take the next slide. An estimated 470,000 people work in the food and agriculture sector here in LA County. For this sector, because it includes such a variety of occupations, a one-size-fits-all approach will not be adequate. There are a number of food services and agricultural workers who may not be easily reached. Therefore, it's necessary to not only partner with employers and employee organizations, but it's gonna require coordination with trusted sources for these groups, like the unions, workplace leaders, community leaders, and community-based organizations. In closing, I do wanna acknowledge the remarkable work that's being done by our many partners to vaccinate people who are currently eligible. There are so, so many people working on this effort, from vaccinators at the over 400 vaccination sites who every day are providing vaccines to thousands of people in LA County, to our many partners that are continually innovating to create ways for people who are living in the hardest hit areas to have better access to vaccines. There is no shortage of heroes here in LA County, and I could not be more grateful for all of this amazing work. Now, Dr. Christina Galley will provide updates from the Department of Health Services. Good afternoon, everyone. As you're aware, the number of new patients with COVID-19 requiring hospitalization each day across Los Angeles County has continued to steadily decline over the last several weeks. And based on this pattern of hospitalizations, we expect that the demand for hospital-based services, including the overall demand for hospital beds, ICU beds, as well as ventilators, will also continue to decrease over the next four weeks. The effective transmission rate, or the R, that we model through the hospital bed demand model is also still slowly following, falling, with the most recent value estimated uh, at 0.78, which is down last week from 0.81. This is very good news, especially given the ongoing vaccination effort continuing. But I do wanna add a note of caution. Just as Dr. Ferrer just said, an increase in the behaviors that facilitate transmission can still very easily lead to an uptick in the number of hospitalized patients within just a couple of weeks. This can happen very quickly. And as we all know, it's very difficult to then turn things around and start to force those numbers back down. The situation, uh, given how tenuous it can be and how quickly things can change, it's very important that people continue all those basic public health practices in their daily life to limit transmission. And this is true even if you have been vaccinated. Wearing a mask, washing your hands, keeping your distance, these practices are all still very important. Even with the arrival of the vaccine, community-based testing remains a core strategy to reducing virus transmission within our communities. Please do get tested. If you have a known exposure to someone with COVID, if you have symptoms of COVID, or if you think you might have been exposed. Testing is an important tool to identify if you've been infected with the virus and to reducing the chance that you spread it to others. In the weeks to come, I'll share more about the role of testing in this emergent vaccine reality and how important it still is for our communities and how DHS will continue to support, support different efforts around community-based testing over the next several months. As just one example of the new community testing initiatives, 
Last week, DHS announced that we are expanding access to testing within some of the most at-risk communities through the new Black Church COVID-19 testing partnership. This initiative is designed to help address the, address the unequal distribution of and access to healthcare resources among communities of color, a fact that contributes to race-based inequalities with COVID-19. This partnership with the Tabernacle Community Development Corporation and supported by the African American Community Empowerment Council includes eight churches that are located across Los Angeles County. The sites do not require an appointment ahead of time and are completely free of charge for anyone to use. We are aiming to test at least 150 people a day at each of the eight church testing locations through June 30th. If you prefer, you can also have the option of pre-registering for a test online. All of the sites can also accommodate walk-ups. To find a new church test site near you, you can visit their website at aacec-cal.org slash COVID-19 testing and click on COVID-19 community testing. You can also get more information on this or any of the other community-based testing locations and opportunities by going to the county's COVID-19 testing website, which is covid19.lacounty.gov and then click on testing. This type of dedicated investment is needed to increase testing access and is done in partnership with black churches, which have such an important role as a trusted source of information and counsel and guidance and influence within black communities. A similar initiative will also launch soon among Latinx churches. We're thankful for the support of Governor Newsom as well as the entire Los Angeles County Board of Supervisors and the entire network of black churches that are making these new community-based testing sites possible. As we wait for widespread vaccine distribution, our vigilance in doing everything we can remains important so that we can maintain the ongoing lower rates of transmission with our communities, the lower rates of hospitalizations and the lower death rates and continue us on that all important path to reopening our schools and our businesses. So thank you to everyone who is still doing this hard work day after day that is needed to contain the deadly virus. And we'll now take questions. Ladies and gentlemen, if you wish to ask a question, please raise your hand using the hand icon or send the host a chat with your name and outlet to be placed in queue. As a courtesy to other reporters and to allow for ample time for questions, we ask that you please limit yourself to one to two questions per reporter. Our first question will come from the line of Stephanie Dazio. Stephanie, your line is unmuted. Please go ahead. Oh, yes, I beat Claudia, finally. Okay, um, figure we all needed a laugh today. Um, Dr. Ferrer, you had mentioned in your slide about the total vaccines administered. Um, it's 1,000, or 1,770,000 and change, but you've, the county has received 1,831,000 and changed. Can you, uh, can you explain the disparity in that? Um, that's my first question. And my second question is, um, we've been talking about inequity a lot in the vaccines, in the uh, cases, case numbers themselves. How, how are we getting to this point that the vaccine distribution is, is so widely uh, unequal. Um, we've talked, we saw the data from Beverly Hills versus um, versus areas in Southeast LA. 
are these communities owed an apology, especially after they bore the brunt of the cases and now it seems that lessons weren't learned to in order to give them the proper vaccine uh, access. So those are my questions. Thanks. Yeah, thanks a lot, Stephanie. Um, let me just start with the a small difference between what we've been allocated and what's uh, already gotten into people's arms. Uh, you know, there's it's just a time lag issue. Um, these uh, what gets allocated then has to last for a whole week. As as you've all seen, we've had problems. Uh, making sure that the allocations last for the whole week. So this is really over a four-day time period. Uh, but if we looked over seven days, uh, all of these doses would have probably, uh, highly likely that they all would be gone. Because as you know, we ran out of doses uh, very quickly last week. In terms of uh, owing um, communities uh, who really have, have not had uh, the kind of access to vaccinations that they ought to be having, uh, we have, you know, and, and do extend our apologies. I think uh, it's it's not about talk at this point, though. It's really about shifting the ability of us to make sure that we're improving access uh, in those communities. And, and that's really what you have been seeing every single week uh, on our maps is opening up more and more sites uh, in communities that have been the hardest hit and, in fact, closing those sites um, to feed people who don't live in those neighborhoods or those communities. I think that was the biggest uh, issue and the biggest challenge we face is the My Turn system uh, actually really advantages those people who are able to uh, stay on their computers for long periods of time to get their appointments and disadvantages of those folks who neither have access uh, to the internet or to a computer or just are working and don't have time uh, to be um, on their computers for hours at a time looking for where an appointment may, may be able to open up. Um, so I think you're going to start to see uh, much better numbers. Uh, even uh, from two weeks ago to last week, uh, we did see an improvement. And my hope is that, again, in partnership with, you know, the over 400 community organizations, the pharmacies, um, the federally qualified health centers uh, that are really helping us to figure out what makes it easier uh, for us to be able to vaccinate in these hardest hit communities. Uh, having sites that are local, having sites where people already know the providers, and really in some ways bypassing my turn uh, and creating closed pods so that people in those communities can be targeted for appointments uh, is what I think uh, is going to make a difference uh, as we move this forward. Uh, but thanks for your question. We'll take the next question. Sorry. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Joy Benedict. Joy, your line is unmuted. Please go ahead. Hi, this is Joy Benedict with CBS2. Thanks for taking my question. It's kind of a two-parter, and it deals with the federal program um, that's sent to the private pharmacies. I'm trying to figure out if they're supposed to be following the state guidelines that allow for vaccination of phase 1B or if they're supposed to be following what you guys are doing, which just is age 65 plus and um, healthcare workers, because it appears some educators have been able to get um, appointments through some of the private pharmacies. And then also we're hearing that people, I'm just wondering what they're supposed to be doing. And then also we're hearing that some people at the end of the day are waiting at these pharmacies for those, you know, last five or six vaccination doses that people didn't show up for. Um, and of course, I know that the county says don't waste any. So I'm just wondering your thoughts on both of those issues at those private pharmacies. 
thanks a lot. I, I mean, this, this, this remains a huge issue for everyone, you know, in times of scarcity, uh, you know, unfortunately, people end up having to compete uh, for these doses, and, and that's unfortunate. I, I'm really glad uh, with the new administration, uh, there should be an increase in production, which will make uh, everybody's lives easier. I'll also be really glad when we get to March 1st and we can, in fact, have enough vaccine doses here in the county that we're able to more easily open up for eligible workers. I think both of those issues uh, will make it a lot easier. You know, the federal ph pharmacy partnerships, you know, unfortunately, um, or fortunately, the first thing is fortunately, they bring doses into uh, LA County um, and they get their allocations directly from the federal government. And at the end of the day, that means that there are more doses here uh, in LA County to vaccinate uh, people who live and work in LA County. So we're grateful for that partnership. Uh, but honestly, they do work with their federal uh, partnerships uh, and they work with their uh, with their chains on trying to make sure that they, in fact, are offering a vaccine uh, as they've been directed. I think it, it is hard, uh, given that there are different mandates from the federal government, slightly different uh, parameters that have been offered by the state. And we, as a very large county, are uh, desperately trying to uh, be able to align with uh, the state's parameters, which will happen next week. We just needed more doses. Um, you know, LA County has only received about uh, 20, you know, doses for about 21% of our population uh, to date. Um, and that doesn't include the increases we have because we have a large workforce uh, that works here that may not live here. And we do vaccinate uh, all of the eligible workers. So we're doing the very best we can. Um, I think the, the, the takeaway is uh, it is, um, it is great that lots of people want to get vaccinated. Uh, for public health folks, the most important thing is that the vaccine does get into the arms of folks. Uh, we're not sure why people are waiting around at the end of the day. Um, all of the pharmacies have plans on how they're going to manage uh, their any excess doses. And remember, excess doses are just really syringes that have been filled. Uh, and uh, very few sites uh, have those syringes sitting around. As everybody's gotten much better about managing, whether it's Moderna or Pfizer vaccines, um, there's very, very little uh, need uh, for you to be drawing syringes uh, when you don't have people uh, that have actually got appointments with you. Um, but, you know, we, we do, uh, again, tell everyone, no waste, no waste at all. Uh, do whatever you can uh, to make sure that uh, every single dose gets into the arm of a, of a person uh, who needs to get vaccinated. So thanks for that. Our next question comes from the line of Claudia Bishuda. Claudia, your line is unmuted. Please go ahead. Hi, can you hear me? Yep. Can you hear me? Okay, great. Um, I just wanted to clarify a couple of things before asking my questions. So um, Supervisor Solis had mentioned the presence of deadlier variants in LA County and as far as I know, the testing has only turned up the UK variant and then like our homegrown Cal variant. Uh, so is there something I'm missing there? Um, two, um, do you have a breakdown of residents versus people who simply work in the county who are getting vaccinated here? And then I was confused on the SNF uh, vaccination slide. It had higher percentages of both staff and residents who had received a second dose. So it said 77% of staff had a first dose. 83% had a second dose. So is that 83% of the 77%? Okay, those are the clarification questions. My, my real 
questions are, how many doses are you expecting this week? How many first dose appointments might uh, open up in LA County? And then can we get an up update on vaccination efforts among homeless people? And I'm, I, I know uh, Dr. Galley has talked about or I think it was it was her um, who talked about uh, targeting the Johnson and Johnson vaccine for homeless populations. I'm wondering what other populations might be targeted for that one dose shot. Thank you. Yeah, I'm not sure I'm going to get to all of these, but um, let me just try to start. Um, so the UK variant, which is present here in LA County, is in fact uh, thought to be uh, slightly more deadly. Uh, it has a higher mortality rate associated with that variant. Um, so I, I believe Supervisor Solis, when she mentioned that, uh, was accurate because uh, that variant is in fact circulating. Um, in terms of uh, residents versus non-residents, uh, we have uh, some data on that. Uh, happy to have somebody send that over to you. Um, it really uh, doesn't necessarily match uh, exactly with residents versus workers though. So I wanna you know, issue some caution on that. Um, many workers do live in LA County, and it's really hard for us to tease out sort of workers versus everybody else. Uh, the occupation field uh, in the um, in the uh, enrollment or getting an appointment is an optional field. A lot of people don't fill it out, but we do know exactly how many people uh, who have been vaccinated live in LA County versus those that we vaccinated that don't. And as a matter of fact, our slides from last week that look at race and ethnicity differences are done just for people uh, who are living, who have been vaccinated and who are in fact residents uh, in LA County. So happy to get you those numbers. I don't know them off the top of my head. In terms of the slide uh, that talks about the SNFs, uh, the second number of percent is the percent of people who got a first dose and now had their second dose. So it's a little bit different uh, denominator there. It's really the only people who can get a second dose are those who got a first dose. So the denominator shifts to those who already got their first dose. Um, an update, uh, a quick update on um, the on people experiencing homelessness. Uh, we'll we'll try to provide that. We usually uh, spend you know every other week. We usually do focus on people experiencing homelessness and the plans for vaccination. Uh, I do want to say we're vaccinating people experiencing homelessness right now who are 65 and older. And we are using the, the vaccines that we have available. It's either Moderna or it's Pfizer. Uh, I know uh, Dr. Galley can also talk about, uh, you know, uh, what will happen when Johnson and Johnson comes. I do want to say that uh, Johnson and Johnson will be distributed widely. It'll be distributed at all community sites once it gets here. It's a very effective vaccine. It does have this advantage about of being a one-dose vaccine. So obviously, there are some settings where it's going to make a lot of sense. Uh, to vaccinate people um, because uh, the circumstance uh, really makes it easier to just be able to provide that one dose. But I also want to be very clear that we'll be using Johnson & Johnson uh, at all of our sites all across the county because it's a, a very effective uh, vaccine. So. I can add just briefly on that. So the Housing for Health Division of the Department of Health Services is one of really many providers that provides vaccines among the homeless population. As of the middle of last week, 
we had uh, provided over 1,200 doses to homeless individuals, uh, and that's largely using the Moderna vaccine. We're happy to use whichever vaccine is available. As Dr. Furrow just mentioned, that the J&J vaccine, if it is approved by the FDA, we believe it's a very effective, uh, high-quality, great vaccine, just as are the Pfizer and the Moderna vaccine. Uh, the Moderna vaccine is a little bit easier um, because of cold chain issues among the homeless, so that's largely what we use there. But J&J would be an excellent option as well. Um, and the the doses this week, uh, we typically receive plus or minus 400 or so doses, though it varies by week for vaccination among the homeless. But I believe the shipment was delayed this week because of some of the, the transportation issues due to the cold weather and across the United States. Uh, but we uh, absolutely will continue to do outreach among the homeless uh, and vaccinate people that are both in the encampments as well as in a variety of sheltered settings. We'll take the next question. Thank you. Our final question will come from the line of Patrick Healy. Patrick, your line is unmuted. Patrick, your line is unmuted. Please go ahead. Our final question will come from the line of Jackie Fortier. Jackie, your line is unmuted. Please go ahead. Hi there. Thanks for taking my question. Um, Dr. Freer, if you could please give us a little bit more insight into uh, how the documentation will work um, once we open it up to uh, other folks in the tier 1B. Um, are people, you know, going to have to prove that they work at a grocery store or just a little more information on how that will work, please? Thank you. Yeah, it's a great question. And, and obviously, yes, there'll be some verifications. I, I want to note that um, the verifications are, are really not meant to be a barrier for people who are eligible to get vaccinated. Uh, they're really just meant to make sure that with limited supply at this point, uh, those are, in fact, the people who are getting vaccinated. We take, as you know already, many, many different sources of verification. Um, you know, depending on each individual's uh, person's ability uh, to have a various forms, I mean, to have a specific form of identification. And we are very much aware that uh, depending on which sector you're working in may depend on what that verification will need to look like. Uh, so there is, uh, of course, uh, our ability to work. We're working very closely with the unions. We're working very closely uh, with the immigrant or immigrant organizations, uh, we don't want the verification process um, to re really create an additional barrier uh, for folks who need to get vaccinated. One good thing about the way we're going to be vaccinating many workers is that they'll be in what we call a closed pod, which really means you come uh, to a vaccination site by invitation. Uh, and that's an easy way for us to target people uh, who work in a specific sector. Um, so we work, for example, with the unions, we work with the workplaces, we work with trusted leaders in the community who really can help us identify people in a, in a sector and then extend those invitations uh, for those people to be able to come uh, to a vaccination site uh, on a particular day or during a particular week to get vaccinations. Um, you're going to see a lot of sort of what we call closed pods uh, to make sure we're getting to eligible workers but you're also going to see us use our large capacity sites, those five sites that you know, can handle over 4,000 uh, people a day and this, our smaller sites as also pivoting and really working very closely uh, with each of the sectors to make sure that nobody's getting left out. Uh, I want to also uh, note and thank uh, the LA County Office of Education that's working really closely with all the superintendents uh, to make sure that there's really good access 
um, for teachers and staff uh, that are working at our schools. Uh, we're going to lay out more on Thursday after we have our allocation numbers for next week. Um, and uh, we'll have more detailed plans uh, that we'll be able to share with everyone. But thanks for that question. Thank you. Transitioning now to remarks in Spanish with Chair Hilda L. Solis. Please go ahead. Buenas tardes. Soy Hilda Solis, Presidenta de la Junta de Supervisores del Condado de Los Ángeles. Quiero dar las gracias a los residentes de nuestro condado. Gracias a su compromiso de quedarse en casa, usar máscaras y practicar la distancia. Parece que estamos saliendo de esta crisis. Nuestros casos y muertos han bajado, pero todavía estamos en el nivel morado, el más restrictivo del estado. Debemos recordar que este progreso se puede deshacer, especialmente con variantes más peligrosos y mortales. Pero con más personas vacunadas, el final de esta pandemia es posible. El condado tiene un gran red de sitios de vacunación. Ahora tenemos más de 400 sitios en el condado de Los Ángeles y con las asociaciones federales y estatales, abrimos un sitio en la Universidad de Cal State, Los Ángeles. Tenemos farmacias que dan vacunas y tenemos unidades móviles de vacunación y solo estamos comenzando. Aunque hay más personas recibiendo la vacuna, Debemos dar más apoyo a las comunidades latinas y especialmente los africanoamericanos. Los datos hacen claro que comunicados con altos recursos tienen más acceso. Por ejemplo, en áreas de Cudahy, Bell, Bell Gardens, Huntington Park, el este de Los Ángeles, tienen unas de las tasas de vacu vacunación más bajos del condado. La semana pasada, latinos representarán casi la mitad de los muertes en el condado. Esto es inaceptable. Por eso pide que la clínica móvil de vacunas de FIMA vaya al sureste de la semana pasada. Y ayer la clínica móvil fue a las viviendas públicas de Ramona Gardens en Boyle Heights. Con estas visitas dieron 750 vacunas a miembros elegibles de la comunidad y mañana voy a presentar una moción pidiendo más enfoque en nuestra distribución de vacunas usando idiomas y origen étnicos en el plan, trabajando con las organizaciones, farmacias, independientes y más para que las vacunas estén disponibles en sitios que ustedes van a visitar y que tienen confianza. Y también trabajé con el Departamento de Salud Pública para que áreas con las tasas de My apologies, Chair Solis. It seems that your microphone is muted. It's muting by, it. oh, um, can you hear me now? ¿Me pueden oír? You are all good, thank you. Please go ahead. Quiero dar Sí, quiero dar las gracias a los residentes de nuestro condado. Gracias a su compromiso de quedarse en casa usando máscaras y practicando la distancia. Parece que estamos saliendo de esta crisis. Nuestros casos y muertes han bajado, pero todavía estamos en el nivel morado, el más restrictivo del estado. Con estas visitas dieron 
750 vacunas a miembros elegibles de la comunidad. Oh, perdóname. Y mañana vamos a presentar una moción pidiendo más enfoque en nuestras distribuciones de vacunas, usando idiomas y origen étnico en un plan, trabajando con organizaciones, farmacias independientes y más para que las vacunas estén disponibles en sitios que ustedes van a visitar con confianza. Y también trabajé con el Departamento de Salud Público para que áreas con las tasas de vacunación más bajas tengan acceso directo en sus vecindarios. Yo sé que el acceso de la vacuna es muy difícil para nosotros, pero quiero ser claro, se recibió la primera dosis y la segunda dosis está garantizada para la comunidad. Aunque doy la bienvenida a la noticia que escuelas primarias tienen la opción de reabrir, hay que recordar el impacto de la pandemia para nuestros estudiantes más necesitados. No todos los padres trabajan en casa para ayudar con clases virtuales. Muchos estudiantes no tuvieron acceso para aprender en línea. Otros no podrían estudiar por ayudar a la familia. Quiero asegurar que nuestras escuelas tengan los recursos que necesitan. Por ejemplo, vamos a vacunar a nuestros maestros y personal escolar. A través de una moción mañana en la mesa directiva, le voy a pedir a nuestros departamentos del condado que distribuyan millones de mascarillas a nuestras escuelas, empresarios y trabajadores esenciales. Espero que esto les dé un alivio crítico y la seguridad que merecen la comunidad. También bajo mi dirección, la Junta de Supervisores Va a haber una ordenancia mañana para pago de héroe. Esto es para los trabajadores de ciertos supermercados y lugares donde venden medicamentos en áreas no incorporados del condado de Los Ángeles. La ordenancia pide un aumento de pago de 15, de, perdón, 5 dólares adicionales la hora. Es urgente dar una compensión justa para estos trabajadores. Hemos logrado mucho y hay que mantener la esperanza. Espero que ustedes reciben más información y que también toman la, vac la vacuna porque es muy necesario. Esperamos mucho más vacunas aquí en el condado. Solo tenemos que seguir cuidándonos unos a otros para mantenernos sanos y seguros. Con eso les presento la representante del Departamento de Salud Pública, Jacqueline Valenzuela. Muchas gracias. Buenas tardes. Hoy daremos actualizaciones sobre nuestro progreso en la reducción de la transmisión de COVID-19 en el Condado de Los Ángeles y cómo los casos y fallecimientos entre el personal y los residentes de los centros de enfermería especializada han disminuido durante las últimas semanas. También presentaremos actualizaciones sobre nuestros esfuerzos de vacunación y la guía que se usará para vacunar a los grupos que serán elegibles a partir del primero de marzo. Ahora para informarles sobre nuestro estado actual. First slide, please. Medio millón de personas han fallecido en, nuestro, en toda nuestra nación y aquí en el condado de Los Ángeles nos acercamos al terrible hito de las 20,000 muertes. 
Y hoy nos entristece informar que 21 personas más han fallecido, lo que eleva el número total de muertes relacionadas con COVID-19 en el condado de Los Ángeles a 19,904. Sabemos que hay muchas personas en todo nuestro condado que están de luto por la pérdida de alguien a causa de COVID-19. Le enviamos nuestro más sentido pésame durante este momento tan triste. Y hoy también estamos reportando 943 casos nuevos, lo que eleva el número total de casos en el condado de Los Ángeles a 1,181,403. Los números de casos y muertes de hoy probablemente representen un retraso en los informes del fin de semana. Estamos informando hoy que 2,000 213 personas están actualmente hospitalizadas con COVID-19 y el 31% de las personas que están hospitalizadas están en unidades de cuidados intensivos. El total de casos confirmados en entornos institucionales es de 93,497, incluidos tanto el personal como los residentes. 38,720 de estos casos confirmados son residentes y 54,777 son personal. Hasta la fecha se han realizado pruebas a más de 5.7 millones de personas y se han informado los resultados al condado de Los Ángeles. La tasa de positividad acumulada es del 19%. Next slide, please. Seguimos avanzando en la reducción del número promedio de casos nuevos diarios de COVID-19, aunque nuestros números siguen siendo elevados. El promedio de 7 días de casos diarios alcanzó su punto máximo el 8 de enero con más de 15,000 casos y ahora se ha reducido en un 90% a 1,600 por día. Dado que ese número es el promedio de casos por fecha de episodio, es decir, la fecha en que una persona se hizo el examen o comenzó a tener síntomas, no necesariamente coincide con el número de casos que informamos cada día en nuestro comunicado de prensa. Los casos reportados diariamente podrían haber ocurrido días o en algunos casos más de una semana antes de que se nos informe. Queremos agradecer a todos por hacer posible este descenso de casos. Esto no fue un milagro y esta caída significativa en el número de casos refleja las acciones y decisiones tomadas por millones de residentes, trabajadores y empleadores. Si seguimos viendo menos casos, podemos avanzar en nuestra recuperación, ya que las tasas más bajas permiten reaperturas en otros sectores. La semana pasada, la disminución en la tasa de casos diarios permitió a las escuelas la opción de reabrir para recibir instrucciones en clase para los est estudiantes de los grados de kinder transicional al sexto grado. Cuando la tasa de casos baje a 7 casos nuevos por 100,000, las escuelas tendrían la opción de permitir la instrucción en clase para estudiantes en los grados eh, del 7 al 12. Next slide, please. Este gráfico muestra las líneas de tendencia de casos, hospitalizaciones y muertes desde el 1 de marzo del 2020. Afortunadamente, los tres continúan disminuyendo, pero queremos señalar que esta semana es cuando podríamos comenzar a ver aumentos en los casos a causa de las reuniones durante el fin de semana del Super Bowl. Como sabemos y como demuestra este gráfico, 
los aumentos de casos son seguidos por aumentos en hospitalizaciones y muertes en tan solo unas semanas. Esperamos que la gente celebró el Super Bowl y el fin de semana del Día de los Presidentes de manera segura con miembros de su hogar. No queremos perder terreno para frenar la propagación del virus, especialmente porque algunos niños y el personal escolar están regresando a las aulas. Next slide, please. Las personas que viven en nuestras instalaciones de enfermería especializada se encuentran entre las más frágiles desde el punto de vista médico y corren un gran riesgo de sufrir una enfermedad grave y hasta morir por COVID-19. Es por eso que ellos, junto con los trabajadores de salud, fueron de los primeros en recibir las vacunas de COVID-19. Como puede ver, en las últimas semanas, el promedio de casos en estas instalaciones se ha bajado drásticamente. Al 7 de febrero, el promedio de 7 días de casos diarios asociados con centros de enfermería especializada era de 5. Hace solo 4 semanas, ese número era de más de 100. Next slide, please. A medida que los casos han disminuido, la cantidad de muertes entre las personas en centros de enfermería especializada también ha disminuido y el número promedio diario actual de muertes es 7. Es importante señalar que estas instalaciones no experimentaron el mismo aumento pronunciado que el condado en general sufrió en diciembre y enero. Además, tenga en cuenta que hay retrasos en estos datos y debido al que lleva a investigar a fondo los brotes. Next slide, please. Hemos avanzado mucho en la vacunación de los residentes y el personal de nuestras instalaciones de enfermería especializada. Al 14 de febrero, el 77% del personal y el 74% de los residentes habían recibido una primera dosis. De estas personas que recibieron la primera dosis, el 83% del personal y el 79% de los residentes han recibido su segunda dosis. Con mucho más personal y residentes vacunados, los casos nuevos deberían continuar disminuyendo, lo que significará menos brotes y menos muertes. Next slide, please. Para actualizarlos sobre nuestros esfuerzos generales para vacunar a los residentes y trabajadores del Condado de Los Ángeles, Ahora hemos administrado 1.770.505 dosis de vacunas en el condado. De esto, eh, 513.586 fueron segunda dosis. Actualmente, solo los trabajadores de salud, los residentes y el personal de los centros de atención a largo plazo y las personas de 65 años o más son elegibles para vacunarse y esto representa aproximadamente 2.2 millones de personas aquí en el condado de Los Ángeles. De todos los que actualmente son elegibles para la vacuna, el 80% ha recibido al menos una dosis y el 23% está completamente vacunado. Seguimos viendo escasez de suministro y varia, varia, perdón, variedad en la cantidad de vacuna que recibimos de una semana a otra. Hasta la fecha hemos recibido 1.831.075 dosis de vacuna y en este momento, a medida que llegan más vacunas al condado de Los Ángeles, nuestra prioridad es garantizar que los residentes y trabajadores elegibles en comunidades más afectadas tengan acceso fácil a las vacunas. Next slide, please. 
Esta tabla es un eh, resumen de nuestra distribución semanal de vacunas de COVID-19 por tipo de sitio. Seguimos teniendo una gran capacidad uh, sin utilizar. Hay casi 500,000 espacios para citas disponibles esta semana y solo tuvimos dosis suficientes para 209, perdón, 209, 209,000 citas. La, los grandes puntos de dispensación o PAD por sus siglas en inglés administrados por el Departamento de Salud Pública en la ciudad de Los Ángeles recibieron la mitad de la asignación. Nuestros centros de salud calificados a nivel federal han recibido casi el 18% de las dosis y las farmacias han recibido poco más del 10% de las dosis. En todos los sectores hay mucha más capacidad para vacunar, aunque simplemente no tenemos el suministro de vacunas para ofrecer más citas. Solo nuestros pods, como dijimos por sus siglas en inglés, eh, nuestros pods grandes podrían proporcionar eh, 157 mil dosis adicionales esta semana si hubiera suficiente suministro de vacunas. Next slide, please. El primero de marzo, tres sectores adicionales, educación y cuidado infantil, eh, servicios de emergencia y primeros auxilios y alimentos y agricultura eh, serán elegibles para ser vacunados aquí en el condado de Los Ángeles. Estamos trabajando con estos sectores y otros socios para finalizar las estrategias de vacunación que ofrecen múltiples sitios donde los trabajadores elegibles pueden vacunarse. Estimamos que alrededor de, 100, de, perdón, de 691 mil personas eh, serán elegibles para una vacuna en el sector de educación y cuidado infantil. Muchos distritos escolares tienen asociaciones y la capacidad de crear sus propios puntos de dispensación para vacunar a su fuerza laboral. Las escuelas independientes y parroquiales se asociarán con sus distritos escolares o tendrán citas reservadas en los puntos de dispensación del condado para su fuerza laboral. También habrá oportunidades para que los trabajadores de cuidado infantil se vacunen en pods cerrados y con citas reservadas en los pods del condado. Todavía estamos revisando datos de encuestas de colegios y universidades para guiar los planes finales para este grupo de educadores y personal. Next slide, please. Para el sector de servicios de emergencia y primeros auxilios, las agencias, incluidos los tribunales y las instalaciones correccionales, se asociaron con los departamentos de bomberos, departamentos de policía, el departamento de salud pública y el departamento de servicios de salud y hospitales locales para vacunar a su fuerza laboral. Estimamos que más de 145 mil personas trabajan en este sector. Next slide, please. Se estima que 470 mil personas trabajan en el sector de la agricultura y la eh, alimentación aquí en el condado de Los Ángeles. Para este sector, debido a que incluye una gran variedad de ocupaciones, un enfoque único para todos no será adecuado. Hay una serie de trabajadores agrícolas y de servicios alimentarios a los que no se puede llegar fácilmente. Por lo tanto, será necesario no solo asociarse con organizaciones de empleador, perdón, empleadores y empleados, sino que también se requiere la coordinación con fuentes confiables para estos grupos, como sindicatos, líderes en el lugar de trabajo, líderes comunitarios y organizaciones comunitarias. Para terminar, queremos 
conocer el trabajo extraordinario que están realizando nuestros numerosos socios para vacunar a las personas que actualmente son elegibles. Hay tantas personas trabajando en este esfuerzo, desde los vacunadores en los más de 400 sitios de vacunación que todos los días están proporcionando vacunas a miles de personas, hasta nuestros tantos socios que están innovando continuamente para crear formas para asegurar que las personas que viven en los lugares más afectados tengan acceso a la vacuna. No hay escasez de héroes aquí en el condado de Los Ángeles y no podríamos sentirnos más agradecidos por todo este increíble trabajo. And now we'll go on and take questions. Um, and it looks like and it looks like we don't have any questions in Spanish, so we'll go ahead and move on to remarks in Armenian. Barrior Bolorin. Շնորհակալություն վերահսկող Սոլիսին եւ ամբողջ վերասուգիչ խորհրդին։ Վերջին մեկ տարվա ընթացքում մենք բախվել ենք արտակարգ դժվար ժամանակներին եւ շնորհակալ եմ ձեզ ձեր ղեկավարության եւ այն ամենինչի համար ինչ դուք արել եք Los Angeles շրջանի բնակիչների առողջությունը պաշտպանելու համար։ Այսօր ես կտրամադրեմ ցարմացումներ մեր առաջընթացի վերաբերյալ Los Angeles շրջանում COVID-19-ի փոխանցումը նվազեցնելու եւ թե ինչպես են վերջի շափատների ընթացքում դեպքերի եւ մահվան դեպքերի համուտ բուժքույրական հաստատությունների բնակիչների շրջանում նվազել։ Ես նաեւ կտրամադրեմ ցարմացումներ պատվաստումների մեր ջանքերի եւ պատվաստանյութերի խմբերի համար որոնք իրավասու կլնեն մարտի 1-ից։ Ես կցանկանայ այսօրվա ցարմացումը սկսել մի բան լրությամբ ճանաչելով այս մահացու վիրուսից ցավալի կյանքի կորուստը։ Կես միլիոն մարդ է մահացել մեր ողջ տարածքով եւ այստեղ Los Angelesում մենք մտենում ենք 20000 մահվան սարսափելի իրադարձությանում։ Ներկայ իրավիճակի վերաբերյալ տեղեկությունները հետևյալն են։ Այսօր ցավով հայտնում ենք եւս 21 մահվան մասին։ Այս մարդկանցից 5-ը 80 տարեկանից բարձր են, որոնցից 4-ը ունեցել են ուղեկցող առողջական խնդիրներ։ 6-ը 65 տարեկանից 79-ն են, որոնցից 3-ը ունեցել են ուղեկցող առողջական խնդիրներ։ 7-ը անձի տարիքը 50-ից 40-50-64-ն է, եւ 6-ը ունեցել են ուղեկցող առողջական խնդիրներ։ Երկու անձը 30 տարեկանից 49-ն են, որոնցից մեկը ունեցել է ուղեկցող առողջական խնդիրներ։ Մեկ անձը 18 տարեկանից 29-ն է, որը ունեցել է ուղեկցող առողջական խնդիրներ։ Սա բերում է ընդհանուր մահերի թիվը 19904-ի Los Angeles շրջանում։ Այսօր մենք հայտնում ենք 943 նոր դեպքերի մասին Եվ սա բերում է Los Angeles շրջանի դրական դեպքերի թիվը 1,181,403-ի։ Այս դեպքերը ներառում են 50,800 Long Beach քաղաքում մեր գործընկերների կողմից գրանցված դեպքեր, իսկ Pasadena քաղաքի կողմից գրանցված 10,772 դեպքեր, որոնք ունեն անկախ առողջապահական բաժանմունքներ։ Ներկայումս հոսպիտալացվել են 2213 մարդ, որոնցից 31%-ը գտնվում են ինտենսիվ խնամքի բաժանմունքում։ Ինստիտուցիոնալ միջավայրում հաստատված ընդհանուր դեպքերը 93497-ն են ներառյալ անձնակազմը եւ բնակիչները։ 
Այս դեպքերից 38720 բնակիչներն են եւ 54777-ը անձնակազմ։ Ավելի քան 5.7 միլիոն մարդ տեսավորվել են եւ արդյունքները զեկուցվել են Լոս Անջելոս շրջան, որոնցից 19% դրական են։ Դեպքերը ըստ դրվագի ամսաթվի տենդենցի։ Մենք շարունակում ենք առաջընթաց գրավ տեսնել գրանցել COVID-19 օրեկան նոր դեպքերի միջին քանակի կրճատման հարցում, չնայած մեր թվերը շարունակում են բարձր մնալ։ 7-րդ միջին օրեկան դեպքերի քանակը գագաթնակետին հասավ հունվարի 8-ին ավելի քան 15000 դեպքերով եւ այժմ ընկել է 90%-ով եւ օրեկանը դարձել է 1600 դեպք։ Քանի որ այս թիվը միջինը դեպքերն են եւ ըստ դրվակի ամսաթվի, այսինքն ամսաթիվը երբ անձը փորձարկվել է կամ ախտանիշները ունեցել, դա պայմանորեն չի համապատասխանում այն դեպքերի թվին, որոնք մենք ամեն օր հայտնում ենք մեր մամլո հաղորդակոյության մեջ։ Ամեն օր հաղորդվող դեպքերը կարող են պատահել օրեր կամ որոշ դեպքերում դրանց մասին մենք հաղորդելու ավելի քան 1 շաբաթ առաջ։ Ես ուզում եմ շնորհակալություն հայտնել բոլորին բոլոր դեպի հնարավոր դարձնելու համար այս հրաշք չեր եւ մեր գործը այս գալի անկումը արտացոլում է միլիոնավոր բնակիչների եւ աշխատողների եւ գործատուների կողմից ծառնարկված գործողություններ ու ընտրություններ եթե շարունակենք ավելի քիչ դեպքեր տեսնել մենք կարող ենք առաջ շարժվել մեր վերականգնման մեջ քանի որ գործակիցները թույլ են տալիս այլ հատվածներ վերաբացվելու։ Անցած շափատ գործի ամենօրյա մակարդակի անկումով դպրոցները հնարավորություն ստացան վերաբացվել TK-ից, նախադպրոցականից, միջև 6-րդ դասանի աշխատակերտների համար, դասարանային ուսուցման համար։ Երբ դեպքը տեմպը իջնի, միջև 7 նոր դեպքեր ամեն 100000-ի դպրոցները հնարություն կունենան թույլատրել դասային ուսուցում 7-ից 12 դասարանների աշակերտների համար։ Բարեբախտաբար շարունակում են անկում ապրել հիվանդանոցներում։ Ուզում եմ նշել, որ այս շաբաթ այն ժամանակն է, երբ մենք կարող ենք սկսել տեսնել դեպքերի աճ Սուպերբոլ հանգստյան օրերի հավաքույտների արդյունքում։ Ինչպես գիտեք, դեպքերի աճը հաջորդվում են հոսպիտալացման եւ մահվան դեպքերի աճը ընդհանրապես մի քանի շաբաթվա ընթացքում։ Հույսով են, որ մարդիկ նախընտրեցին Սուպերբոլի եւ նախագահական տոների հանգստյան օրերին ապահով նշել իրենց ընտանիքի անդամների հետ։ Մենք չենք ցանկանում որևէ հիմք կորցնել վիրուսի տարածումը դանդաղեցնելու հարցում։ Մանավանդ որ որոշ երեխաներ եւ դպրոցի աշխատակիցներ վերադառնում են դասարաններ։ Հմուտ բուժքուրական հաստատությունների դեպքերը։ Մարդիկ ովքեր ապրում են մեր Հմուտ բուժքուրական հաստատություններում, բժշկական առումով առավել փխրուն են եւ մեծ ռիսկի են ենթարկում լուրջ հիվանդության եւ COVID-19-ի մահվան համար։ Ահա թե ինչու նրանք առողջապահական աշխատողների հետ միասին առաջիններից են, ովքեր ստացան COVID-19-ի պատվաստանյութերը։ Ինչպես տեսնում եք, անցած մի քանի շաբաթների ընթացքում այս հաստատություններում դեպքերի միջին թիվը կտրուկ ընկավ։ Փետրվարի 7-ի դրությամբ Հմուտ Բուշքորիական հաստատությունների հետ կապված ամենօրյա դեպքերի 7-րդ միջին թիվը 5-ն էր, 
ընդհամենը 4 շաբաթ առաջ այդ թիվը գերազանցում էր 100-ը քանի որ դեպքերը նվազել են հմուտ բուժքուրական հաստատություններում մարդկանց շրջանում մահացությունների թիվը նույնպես նվազել է եւ ներկայումս մահվան միջին օրեկան թիվը 7-ն է կարևոր է նշել որ այդ հաստատություններում չի գրանցվել նույն կտրուկ ալիքը ինչ վարչաշրջանում ընդհանուր առմամբ դեկտեմբերին եւ հունվարին նաեւ հիշենք որ այս տվյալների մեջ կան հետաձգումներ եւ բռնկումների մանրակրկիտ ուսումնասիրության համար ժամանակ է պահանջվում մենք շատ լավ ենք լավ առաջընթացեն գրանցել մեր հմուտ բուժքուրական հաստատություններում բնակիչներին եւ անձնակազմի պատվաստման հարցում անձնակազմի 77%-ը եւ բնակիչների 74%-ը ստացել են առաջին դեղաչափը առաջին դեղաչափը ստացված այս մարդկանցից անձնակազմի 83%-ը եւ բնակիչների 79%-ը ստացել են իրենց երկրորդ դեղաչափը շատ ավելի անձնակազմի եւ բնակիչների պատվաստումներով նոր դեպքերը պետք է շարունակեն նվազել ինչը կնշանակի ավելի քիչ բռնկումներ եւ ավելի քիչ մահեր տեղեկացնել ձեզ լոս-անջելես շրջանի բնակիչների եւ աշխատողների պատվաստելու մեր ընթացի կընդհանուր ճանկերի մասին մենք այժմ վարչաշրջանում իրականացրել ենք 1,770,505 տեղաչափ պատվաստանյութ դրանցից 513586-ը երկրորդ տեղաչափերն էին ներկայումս պատվաստման իրավունք ունեն միայն առողջապահության ոլորտի աշխատողները բնակիչներ եւ երկարաժամկետ խնամքի հաստատությունների աշխատակիցները եւ 65 տարեկան կամ ավելի բարձր տարիքի մարտին դա կազմում է մոտ 2 ամբողջ 2 միլիոն մարտ այստեղ լոս-անջելես շրջանում ներկայումս պատվաստման իրավունք ունեցող բոլոր անձանց 80%-ը ստացել են առնվազը առաջին դեղաչափը իսկ 23%-ը ամբողջությամբ պատվաստված են մենք շարունակում ենք զգալ մատակարարման սակավություն եւ շափատ արշափատ ստացված պատվաստանյութերի քանակը փոփոխականություն ենք տեսնում միջև օրս մենք ստացել ենք պատվաստանյութերի 1,831,775 պատվաստանյութեր եւ լոս-անջելես վարչաշրջան եւ մեր առաջնահերթությունն է ապահովել որ առավելագույն տուժած համայնքների իրավասու բնակիչներն ու աշխատողները հեշտությամբ հասանելի լինի պատվաստանյութերը մենք շարունակում ենք ունենալ մեծ քանակությամբ չօգտագործված կարողություններ այս շափատ գրեթե 500000 նշանակած ժամկար եւ մենք ունեցել ենք միայն բավարար չափաբաժիններ 209000 հանդիպումների համար բաշխման կամ փոդեր կենտրոնների խոշոր կետեր որոնք ղեկավարում են հանրային առողջապահության եւ լոս-անջելես շրջանին ստացած հատկացումների կեսը մեր ֆեդերալ նահանգի կողմից որակավորված առողջապահության կենտրոնները ստացել են դեղաչափերի գրեթե 18%-ը իսկ դեղատները ստացել են դեղաչափերի 10%-ից մի փոքր ավել ոլորտներում պատվաստումներ կատարելու շատ ավելի մեծ հնարավորություններ կա չնայած մենք պարզապես պատվաստանյութերի մատակարարում չունենք ավելի շատ նշանակումներ առաջարկելու համար 
Միայն մեր մեծ փոդերը կենտրոնները այս շափատ կարող են ապահովել 157000 լրացուցիչ դեղաչափեր, եթե Պատվաստանյութերի բավարար մատակարարում լիներ։ Երեխաների խնամքի ոլորտների թարմություն։ Մարտի 1-ին 3 լրացուցիչ ոլորտներ կրթություն եւ երեխաների խնամք արտակարգ իրավիճակների ծառայություններ եւ առաջին արձականքողների եւ սնդամթերք եւ գյուղատնտեսություն իրավուն կստանան պատվաստել այստեղ լոս անջելոս շրջանում։ Մենք աշխատում ենք այս կենտրոնների եւ այլ գործընկերների հետ վերջնականապես պատվաստելու ռազմավարություններ, որոնք առաջացնում են բազմաթիվ կայքեր, որտեղ համապատասխան աշխատողները կարող են պատվաստվել։ Մենք գնահատում ենք, որ շուրջ 691000 մարդ կրթության եւ երեխաների խնամքի ոլորտում պատվաստանյութի իրավուն կստանա։ Շատ դպրոցական շրջաններ ունեն համագործակցություն եւ կարողություն ստեղծելու իրենց սեփական կենտրոնները իրենց աշխատուժի պատվաստելու համար։ Հնարավորություններ կստեղծվեն նաեւ երեխաների խնամքի աշխատողների պատվաստումները փակ կենտրոններում եւ վերապահված նշանակումներով վարչական շրջանի կենտրոններում։ Մենք դեռ վերանայում ենք քոլեջների եւ համասանների հետազոտության տվյալները, այս խմբի մանկավարժների եւ անձնակազմի վերջնական պլանները ղեկավարելու համար։ Արտակարգ ծառայությունների եւ առաջին արձականքողների հատվածի համար գործակալությունները, ներառյալ դատարանները, ուղիջ հիմնարկները, համագործակցելու եւ հրշեջ բաժանմունքների ոստիկանության բաժանմունքների, հանրային առողջապահության վարչության, առողջապահության վարչության եւ տեղական հիվանդանոցների հետ իրենց աշխատաուժը պատվաստելու համար Մենք գնահատում ենք, որ այս ոլորտում աշխատում է ավելի քան 145000 մարդ։ Մոտ 470000 մարդ աշխատում են սննդի եւ գյուղատնտեսության ոլորտում։ Լոս Անջելոս շրջանում։ Այս հատվածի համար, քանի որ այն ընդգրկում է զբաղմունքների այնպիսի բազմազանություն, միանգամայն համապատասխանում են ոլորին, մոտեցումը համարժեք չէ։ գոյություն ունեն պարենային ծառայություններ, գյուղատնտեսության մի շարք աշխատողներ, որոնք հնարավոր չէ հեշտությամբ հասնել։ Հետևաբար անհրաժեշտ կլինի ոչ միայն համագործակցել գործատուների եւ աշխատողների կազմակերպությունների հետ, այլ նաեւ կպահանջվի համակարգում այդ խմբերի համար վստահելի աղբյուրների հետ, ինչպեսիք են արմիությունները, աշխատավայրերի ղեկավարները համայնքների ղեկավարները եւ համայնքային կազմակերպությունները Վերջում ես ուզում եմ ընդունել այն ուշագրավ աշխատանքը, որը արվում է մեր բազմաթիվ գործընկերների կողմից։ Ներկայումս իրավասում մարդկանց պատվաստելու համար։ Այս ճանքերի վրա աշխատում են այնքան շատ մարդիկ։ Սկսած պատվաստանյութերից ավելի քան 400 պատվաստանյութերի կայքեր ովքեր ամեն օր պատվաստանյութեր եւ տրամադրում են հազարավոր մարդկանց եւ մեր բազմաթիվ գործընկերներ ովքեր անընդհատ նորարություններ են ստեղծում ամենաշատ տուժածների համար ուղիներ ստեղծելու համար հերոսների պակաս այստեղ լոս անջելոս շրջանում չկա եւ ես չի կարող ավելի իրախտապարտ լինել այս զարմանալի աշխատանքի համար շնորհակալություն thank you Now the remarks in Korean. 
안녕하십니까 먼저 오늘 업데이트를 시작하기 전에 이 죽음의 바이러스로부터 희생된 생명들을 기르기 위해 묵념의 시간을 갖도록 하겠습니다 나라 전체에 걸쳐서 50만 명이 목숨을 잃었고 LA 카운티에서는 2만 명의 사망자가 있었습니다 묵념 오늘 21명의 새로운 사망자가 보고되었고 이로써 LA 카운티에서 총 사망자 수는 19,904명입니다. 이 중에 5명은 80세 이상, 그중 4명이 기저질환이 있었습니다. 6명은 65에서 79세 사이, 3명이 기저질환이 있었습니다. 7명은 50에서 64세 사이, 6명이 기저질환이 있었습니다. 2명은 30에서 49세 사이, 한명이 기저질환이 있었습니다. 한명은 18에서 29세 사이로 그 사람은 기저질환이 있었습니다. 오늘 943개의 새로운 케이스가 보고되었고 이로써 LA 카운티에서의 총 케이스 수는 118만 1403건입니다. 이 케이스 수는 롱비치시에서 5만 800건, 하사디나시에서 1만 772건을 포함한 수치입니다. 오늘 케이스 수와 사망자 수는 주말 보고에 지연이 있었으므로 더 적게 보고된 것으로 보여집니다. 현재 COVID-19로 2,213명이 병원에 입원해 있으며 31%가 중환자실에 입원해 있습니다. 하나 이상의 양성 케이스가 나온 4,874개의 거주, 비거주시설을 조사하였으며 966개는 현재 조사 중이고 3,908개는 조사를 마쳤습니다. 오늘로써 총 570만 명이 테스트를 받았으며 누적 양성 확진률은 19%입니다. 1월 8일에 7일 평균 1일 케이스 수가 15,000건이 넘었었는데 이제는 하루에 1,600건으로 90%가 감소하였습니다. 이 수치는 테스트를 받거나 증상이 시작된 날에 따른 평균 케이스 수이므로 매일 보고되는 케이스 수와 딱 맞지는 않습니다. 매일 보고되는 케이스들은 보고되기 며칠 전이나 일주일 정도 전에 일어난 일일 수 있기 때문입니다. 케이스 수가 감소될수록 만들어 케이스 수가 감소될 수 있도록 만들어 주신 모든 분들께 감사드립니다. 이것은 기적이 아니라 케이스 수가 감소할 수 있도록 수백만 명의 주민들과 고용주 또 고용인들의 한 행동과 결정을 보여주는 것입니다. 지난주에 1일 케이스룰의 감소로 인해 TK부터 6학년까지의 학생들이 교내 수업을 다시 시작되도록 허용할 수 있었습니다. 케이스룰이 10만 명당 7건으로 줄어들게 되면 7학년에서 12학년까지 학생들이 대면 수업을 할수 있도록 허용될 것입니다. 케이스수와 병원 입원자 수, 사망자 수는 계속해서 감소가 되고 있는데 그러나 이번 주는 슈퍼볼 주말에 있었던 모임들로 인해서 케이스 수가 증가할 것으로 보고 있습니다. 케이스 수의 증가는 몇주 후에 병원 입원자 수와 사망자 수의 증가로 이어지게 될 것입니다. 슈퍼볼과 프레젠트 데이 주말 동안 가족들과만 안전하게 보내셨기를 바랍니다. 자녀들과 학교 스태프들이 교실로 돌아가고 있는 이때에 바이러스 확산을 늦추는 일이 중단되지 않기를 바랍니다. 지난 수주 동안 전문 간호시설에서 평균 케이스 수가 급격히 떨어졌습니다. 2월 7일에 7일 평균 1일 케이스 수가 5건이었는데 
4주 전에는 100건이 넘었었습니다. 케이스 수가 줄어들면서 전문 간호시설에서의 평균 1일 사망자 수 역시 7건으로 줄어들었습니다. 중요한 점은 이 시설들에서는 12월과 1월에 카운티에서 전체적으로 있었던 급증이 없었고 발병을 조사하는 데 시간이 걸리기 때문에 이 데이터에는 지연이 있을 수 있습니다. 전문 간호시설에서 77%의 직원들과 74%의 거주민들이 첫 번째 백신 접종을 받았습니다. 첫 번째 접종을 받은 사람들 중에 83%의 직원과 79%의 거주민들이 두 번째 접종 역시 받았습니다. 더 많은 직원들과 거주민들이 백신 접종을 받으면서 새 케이스 수도 줄어들 것이며 발병률과 사망률 역시 줄어들게 될 것입니다. LA 카운티 내에서는 현재 177만 505개의 도스의 백신이 접종되었습니다. 이 중에 51만 3586개는 두 번째 접종이었습니다. 현재 의료서비스 종사자들과 장기 요양시설에 거주하고 있는 거주민들, 직원들 65세 이상만이 백신을 접종받을 수 있으며 이들은 LA 카운티에 약 220만 명에 해당됩니다. 현재 백신 접종받을 자격이 있는 사람들 중에 80%가 적어도 첫 번째 접종을 받았으며 23%는 두 번째 접종을 마친 상태입니다. 오늘까지 183만 1075개의 백신 주사를 받았는데 현재 LA 카운티로 더 많은 백신 주사가 오고 있으며 우선순위는 가장 어려운 커뮤니티에서 적합한 거주민들과 노동자들이 백신을 쉽게 받을 수 있도록 하는 것입니다. 이번 주에 거의 50만 개의 코비드 백신 접종 예약 시간이 가능하지만 20만 9천 개의 예약 시간을 위한 백신 주사밖에 없습니다. 이 중에 절반은 LAC와 보건국이 운영하는 대규모 접종 장소에서 받을 수 있습니다. 연방국에서 허가받은 의료서비스센터에서 거의 18%의 도스를 받았고 약국에서는 10%가 약간 넘는 도스를 받았습니다. 접종을 할수 있는 장소들은 많이 있지만 백신 공급량이 많이 부족한 상태입니다. 이번 주에 대규모 접종 장소에서는 15만 7천 개의 백신 주사가 접종될 것입니다. 3월 1일부터 LA 카운티에서는 교육과 보육, 응급서비스와 최초 대응자, 음식과 농업에 종사하는 사람들이 백신 접종을 받을 수 있게 될 것입니다. 현재 이 접종 가능한 근로자들이 접종을 받을 수 있도록 접종 장소와 방법을 확정하고 있는 중입니다. 교육과 보육 부분에서 약 69만 1000명이 백신 접종을 받을 자격이 있을 것입니다. 많은 학교 디스트릭에서는 각 직원들을 위해 백신 접종 장소를 마련하고 있습니다. 독립된 사립 그리고 종교 학교에서는 각 학교 디스트릭과 협력을 하거나 카운티에서 마련한 대규모 접종 장소를 예약하여 접종받도록 마련될 것입니다. 보육시설 종사자들도 카운티 대규모 접종 장소에서 예약하여 접종을 받을 수 있을 것입니다. 칼리지와 대학교에서는 교육자들과 직원들을 위해 계획을 확정짓기 위해 설문조사 데이터를 검토 중입니다. 병원과 교도소를 포함한 응급서비스와 최초 대응자 부문 에이전시를 위해 소방서, 경찰국, 보건국, 의료서비스국, 그리고 병원들과 협력하여 백신을 접종하게 될 것입니다. 이 부문에 약 14만 5천명이 일하고 있는 것으로 예상되고 있습니다. 
LA 카운티에서 음식과 농업 부면에서는 약 47만 명이 일하고 있는 것으로 보고되고 있습니다. 이 부면에서는 여러 가지 업종이 관련되어 있기 때문에 모두를 위한 한 가지 방법이 사용되지는 않을 것입니다. 쉽게 도달할 수 없는 음식 서비스나 농업 근로자들이 있을 수 있습니다. 그러므로 고용주와 고용인 단체들과 협력하고 유니언이나 직장 대표자들, 커뮤니티 대표자, 또 커뮤니티 기반 단체들과 공동 협력을 하게 될 것입니다. 마지막으로 현재 적합한 사람들을 접종하기 위해 많은 파트너들이 하고 있는 주목할 만한 이 일에 대해 감사드리고 싶습니다. 이 일을 위해서 400개가 넘는 접종 장소에서 매일 수천 명에게 백신을 접촉하고 있는 접종자들로부터 가장 어려운 지역에 살고 있는 사람들이 쉽게 백신 접종을 받을 수 있도록 방법을 도입하는 파트너들에 이르기까지 수많은 사람들이 노력을 기울이고 있습니다. LA 카운티에는 영웅들이 부족하지 않습니다. 이 대단한 일들을 위해 노력하고 있는 모든 분들께 감사드리는 바입니다. 감사합니다. Now the remarks in Chinese. Thank you. Thank you. 将提供在从三月一号开始可以哪些人可以注射新冠疫苗首先我们看看现在的新冠疫情数据我们为那些因新冠病毒去世的逝者默哀全国范围内有超过五十万的人死于新冠病毒而在落线的死亡人手已经快
四千八百七十四个大型住宅和非住宅机构做了调查，这些机构均有至少一个已知的新冠病患者，其中九百六十六个仍在调查中，三千九百零八个已结束调查。机构确诊病例的总数为九万三千四百九十七人，其中居民为三万八千七百二十人，员工是五万四千七百七十七人。洛县有总共超过两五百七十万的居民进行了新冠病毒测试，并上报了测试结果，其中百分之十九的测试呈阳性。事发日趋势病例趋势，我现在每日新添病例一直在下降，尽管每日新增病例仍然很高，新添病例的七天平均值在一月八号达到了顶点，达一万五千例之多。到了现在，已降下降了百分之九十，每日不到一千六百例。因为数字为事发日平均数，即感染者从出现症状的日期开始，这样会与我们发布日期的数据不符。发布的发布的例数可能是几天，在一些极端情况下，可能是一个多星期前的数字。在此，我要感谢每一个人，这些病例的下降并非是。奇迹的出现，而是洛县百万居民、劳动者及雇主、雇主共同努力的结果。病例、住院、死亡，资料显示了从二零二零年三月一号开始的新添病例、住院人数和死亡人数。有幸的是，这三个数据一直在下降。但我要提醒的是，因为超级碗比赛的聚集，这星期。病例可能会出现回升。我们知道，新天病例的上升伴随的是住院人数或死亡人数的上升，相隔几个星期而已。我们希望那些选择庆祝超级碗和总统节的人们及家人们平安。我们不希望看到防疫工作的停顿，尤其是当一些学生和员工准备返校之际。首脸护理中心的病例趋势。居住在首领护理中心的居民是最脆弱的人群，而且感染新冠重症的风险非常高。这就是为什么让这些居民和护理他们的员工同时接种疫苗。可以看出，在过去的几个星期内，首领护理中心的新冠病例急剧下降。截止二月七号，新天病例的七天平均值是五，而仅仅是四星期前，这一数据是一百。首脸护理中心的死亡趋势，随着新冠病例的新数字的下降，首脸护理中心的死亡人数也随之下降。死亡人数的七天平均值是七。值得提及的是，这些护理中心并没有像其他机构经历过十二月或一月的病例飙升。同时，我们要记住，这些数据会有滞后，因为需要时间去做爆发调查。首领护理中心的疫苗接种情况，首领护理中心的疫苗接种进展非常好，百分之七十七的员工和百分之七十四的居民已接种第一剂疫苗。在这些在这些已接种第一剂疫苗的人中，百分之八十三的员工和百分之七十九的居民已接种第二剂疫苗。随着更多的员工和居民接种疫苗，相信新天病例会持续走低。这意味着爆发或死亡也会走低。疫苗数据简报：到目前为止
我们总共接受了一百七十七万零五百零五支疫苗，其中五十一万三千五百八十六支属于第二季注射。目前，医务人员、长期看护所的员工和居民，以及六十五岁以上的居民可以接种。这一人数总共约两百二十万。在这两百二十万中，百分之八十已接种至少第一剂疫苗，百分之二十五已完成全部完成接种。疫苗供应持续紧张，到目前为止，洛县总共收到了一百八十三万一千零七十五剂疫苗。随着更多的疫苗到达，我们会确保高感染区的合格的居民及工作人员优先接种。我们接种点仍然可以接种更多的人员，所有接种点可以每周接种五十五十万人，但我们只有二十万零九千剂疫苗可以使用。诺县和诺市管理的大型接种点收到了大约一半的疫苗，联邦许可的医护中心收到了百分之十八的疫苗，而药店收到了不到百分之十的疫苗。全县范围内，我们有足够的人提供更多的接种，只是疫苗不足。这星期各大接种点可以接种十五万七千剂疫苗，但这是在有疫苗的情况下。孩童看护所更新，到三月一号，教育和孩童看护紧急服务中心及食品和农业部门将可以开始接种疫苗。我们目前正在与这些部门联系。教育和孩童服务部门大概有六十九万一千人需要接种，紧急救护部门大约有十四万五千人需要接种，农业部门大会大概会有四十七万人需要接种。That's concludes for today. Thank you. This episode of LA Public Health was produced by the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. Our department is nationally accredited by the Public Health Accreditation Board and is committed to protecting and improving the health of over 10 million residents in Los Angeles County. For more information about DPH programs and services, visit publichealth.lacounty.gov and follow us on social media at LA Public Health. My name is Steve Baldwin, and you've been listening to the LA Public Health podcast.